You're about to hear a preview of Partially Examined Life supporter exclusive content. To learn how to get the whole thing, check out partiallyexaminedlife.com slash support. You're listening to the Partially Examined Life. This is part three of episode 305, Cormac McCarthy's Blood Meridian. And we wanted to keep talking about this. So. Yeah. One of the things I wanted to talk about was a little bit about the concept of regression, which I think comes up a few times. It starts at the very beginning of the book where we have an account of the kid. His father is, um, let's just read it. So his folk are known for hewers of wood and drawers of water, but in truth, his father has been a schoolmaster. He lies in drink. He quotes from poets whose names are now lost. The boy crouches by the fire and watches him. And then we find out that the boy's mother has died in childbirth and that he can't read or write and that the child, all history is present in that visage, the child, the father of the man. And I thought of that regression in relation to the tale that the judge tells later about the harness maker. The sort of point of that story, we don't have to describe the whole thing, is that a child is deprived of the father because the father is killed before he ever really knows them. And the way the judge puts it is, now this son whose father's existence in this world is historical and speculative, even before the son has entered it in a bad way. All his life he carries before him the idol of a perfection which he can never attain. The father dead has euchred the son of his patrimony. For it is the death of the father to which the son is entitled and to which he is heir, more so than his goods. He will not hear of the small mean ways that tempered the man in life. He will not see him struggling in follies of his own devising. No, the world which he inherits bears him false witness. He is broken before a frozen God and he will never find his way. And then he goes on to compare that to the Anasazi Indians who have been wiped out, by the way. Their culture is no more. But the tools, the art, the building, these things stand in judgment on the latter races. Yet there is nothing for them to grapple with. The old ones are gone like phantoms and the savages wander these canyons to the sound of an ancient laughter. In their crude huts, they crouch in darkness and listen to the fear seeping out of the rock. All progressions from a higher to lower order are marked by ruins and mystery and a residue of nameless rage. So here are the dead fathers. Their spirit is entombed in the stone. It lies upon the land with the same weight and the same ubiquity. For whoever makes a shelter of reeds and hides has joined his spirit to the common destiny of creatures and will subside back into the primal mud with scarcely a cry. But who builds in stone seeks to alter the structure of the universe. And so it was with these masons, however primitive their works may seem to us. And that's right before he goes on to that quote, which is reminiscent of Nietzsche. The noon of his expression signals the onset of night. His spirit is exhausted. This point of you know, supposed transition historically to a higher, right, for Nietzsche, a higher form of life or to the Ubermensch, or we can think of this in maturational terms to some form of adulthood. In this case, that's arrested and there's a regression, which is also interesting in light of the fact that the judge is interested, you know, he's a pedophile. So in a way, he's the enemy of maturation, he's the enemy of maturity. I thought this was important because it ties together. The judge is an antagonist to the kid the kid's own kind of regression in light of his father's failure to be a poet and school teacher, and then the fate of Native Americans. Yeah, that's interesting, Wes. It took me a second to figure out what you were talking about when you said regression. But what's also interesting, right, is that in theory, 
these agents of violence that Glanton's gang represents are clearing savages who are perceived as being less developed, less mature for the sake of quote unquote civilization, right? So on the surface, what's happening is the quote unquote superior race is out there claiming the land from the inferior race for the sake of progress and civilization, which would be maturation or or progression, as you say it. But interestingly, your reading of the judge in that case is that he's actually saying that the process itself, which while it appears progressive, is actually regressive, not just because of the civilizations that are being lost, but because of all the people who are dying and depriving children of their patrimony. Well, he wants to wipe this out, right? He wants to sketch it and then scratch off the evidence of these ancient cultures. This is why I call him the anti-Nietzsche. He's pro-regression. The thing he hates about the kid is the kid started to develop a conscience, which is a sign of maturation, right? You betrayed the god of war. The god of war and, and the god of infancy are related. I hate to be so uninformed or whatever, but I just want to clarify my understanding of regression. I'm first thinking of going backwards as opposed to the notion of just not moving forwards. In the case of the kid with the father, the father was a school teacher and the kid potentially had the opportunity to be educated. A horrible thing happened. The mother died. Yes. Childbirth, the father became an alcoholic and they lost. So that's a family level regression. But then you're right. I'm kind of conflating that with just, yeah, not maturing. I think it works because it makes me think of this question of history that Holden is bringing up all the time that we're tied to our history. We talked about this in part in the previous discussion about the unifying effect of violence through history and saying that sort of we are history, we are destiny, and you fold into it the laying to hazard and the competition involved there. And so history becomes a kind of sequence of winners and losers where the winning and losing is is really, I want to say surviving, but winning is probably a better term actually than surviving because it's, it's not just surviving. It is actually dominating. It's surviving by dominating. Yeah, I think this notion of history is important because the way I see history, that concept when the judge uses it is I think of destiny and determinism, right? The historical absolute as opposed to morality and agency in the typical sense. And so agency in the judge's sense involves submitting the verdict of history and destiny. At a psychological level, that is about formative influences, right? Parents and peers and teachers and all that stuff, how we become who we are, which involves identification and taking in to us those formative influences and stepping into the shoes, right, of the father or the teacher, becoming the adult. And so the question is, how do we use those? That is closely related to the development of conscience, closely related to becoming a moral agent. All those things go together. And it's the way we use those influences. And for the judge, it's just, no, we ought to live in total submission to all that. And the only kind of agency we can eke out in light of that is to increase the stakes in a game. We gamify it. It turns on what the meaning of history is and how history functions. So in the case of us becoming moral agents, right, there is a becoming. Holden doesn't believe in becoming. He only believes in where he's at or whatever, right? Whatever kind of transition of time is a kind of bald fact of history. And you have this way in which you establish, it's not even exactly status, but it's the events of life. The, de- you know, the history is destiny. 
aspect of it, but there isn't any becoming involved with that. You know, no maturation involved, no striving. I mean, any of those kinds of things. You're not striving to become who you are. You're not striving to become who you ought to be. None of those questions even make sense in this universe, right? There's a point where the narrator says Glanton is complete in every moment. And you can say the same thing of the judge himself. That's why he's so smug and self-contented and relaxed all the time. He's not striving for anything. So even he's into the concept of destiny, but that is not about, again, you know, trying to change or change things and become a different type of person. And that's not why he even does like all his artsy and geological stuff. He's not, it's not like, Hey, I'm into adult ed. I want to develop myself. It's just, no, I want to control and absorb the world and then smash it. What is he accusing the kid of along the way? And then most clearly at the end, in the last chapters of the book where you're the kid is growing a conscience of some sort, you know, this is happening in numerous places. Judge Holden basically goads him, you know, come and kill me. I'm giving you all kinds of chances. And the kid doesn't do it. He can't kill even an, another one of the gang members sort of out of mercy. He's been told to do so, but it also would be an act of mercy because, you know, he's going to just bleed to death. And Judge Holden confronts him even later on. Besides from, you know, I've come by three times and you've had three chances, you know, in Griffin He's basically telling him, you could have been more. So that to me is a, you could have become something question, right? That he's accusing the kid of. And so that would be to me like a, a wedge into what Holden would understand. You know, is it just a recognition of who you are that he's accusing the kid of as opposed to a real becoming or what is it? That's my reading of it is that it's not a real becoming. It's almost like it's a, I hesitate to use this term, but kind of like something to do with authenticity. The judge's view is that if you don't fully embrace the violence, if you don't fully embrace your destiny as a purveyor of violence, you're not this authentic person. And I think whether it's the judge's purpose is to just show this to people in general, you know, like the devil, try to tempt them to take this up, or if he recognizes in the rest of the gang that there's no struggle there. The rest of the people in the gang take on that mantle with very little resistance, right? There are people that come and go in the band and who leave, but the kid stays. And so there's something about being a part of this troop, whether it's just a sense of belonging or if there's some sense of attraction. And I think the judge is calling out that you cannot be of us and not be as us. If that sounds like the kind of thing that you want to hear more about, then please go to partiallyexaminelife.com slash support. Thanks for listening. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it product availability just one part that makes o'reilly stand apart the professional parts people oh 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 o'reilly auto parts